when you think of an accountancy practice, I worked for one of those. Over the years, I sort of found that if you went to university, you came out with, a, with an accounting degree and you didn't really know much about accountancy. He's my best mate for my sins. Accountants have a good way of saying, I don't do that. When you were looking to set up the Uncommon Practice, you wanted to be able to offer support to their decision-making, forward-looking, is that the sort of thing you mean? And sometimes they think they're getting it. They do think they're getting it because they get these figures and it tells them what the profit is. It doesn't really break, it doesn't really break it down and tell the story. It doesn't tell the story. Hello and welcome to Uncommon Sense. Our guest today is Marlon Armstrong, who is the director and founder of the Uncommon Accountants, which is the accounting division of the Uncommon Practice. Marlon's also a Liverpool season ticket holder, although I promise not to ask you about that today. Uh, a year ago, you might have been happier to not talk about that. Not at the time of recording. I'm not very happy, but yeah. Okay. There we go. So instead, we'll talk about why you set up the Uncommon Accountants, your work with e-commerce businesses, and then finally, your uncommon sense for business leaders and business owners. Okay. So thanks for coming along. Pleasure. The first thing I'd like to talk to you about really is just to understand a bit about your career to date and how you ended up at the Uncommon Accountants. Well, I've been an accountant for about 27 years, something like that. Worked in a traditional accountancy practice, as you know, the same one, man and boy, with traditional clients, the, u the usual, the, I suppose, most account when you think of an accountancy practice I worked for one of those okay <laughs> and that was so you were there for 27 years which is a long time Twen I was there for 24 years 24 so years like three and three you went straight ago. there from from college from college yeah yeah as a trainee and that's interesting I was speaking to Heather last time and she was saying that that is something that she's seeing she, she did that herself went straight mm -hmm. from college is that something that you would recommend to people do themselves? You mean straight from college to... Oh, straight from college. Or staying at the same firm for... No, well, no, yeah. Four yeah. Years. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I meant more, I suppose, going straight into... It's interesting, isn't it? Because it's a way yeah. that we, we've got some people at the Uncommon Practice who've joined us straight from straight from school, and I'm wondering if that's something that you... Yeah, well, there's all there's different ways that you can do it. Nowadays, in, in my day, it, a, it seemed to be more structured. It seemed to be like you had to go sort of one way. But uh, there's lots of different ways you can do it now. And over the years, I sort of found that if you went to if you went to university, you you came out with a with an accounting degree, and you didn't really know much about accountancy, about the day to day runnings of an in an accountancy practice, running things up to a trial balance, preparing a set of accounts, because it's almost like macro macro state. So, so the school leavers that came in and got trained up on the job as they were training seemed to be more useful at, at, at the start anyway mm -hmm. for, the, for the first three or four years. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that that was interesting, and and, and we, I've seen that change over years, and it, it's just been interesting to to see to see how things have changed. So you left the firm of 23 years and then a few... 24, John. 24 years. See, that's why I'm not an accountant. <laughs> uh, you left the, your firm 24 years. You've mm -hmm. been there for 24 years, let's mm -hmm. get it right. And then you decided that you were going to set up your own thing and mm -hmm. set up the Uncommon Accountants, which is part of the Uncommon Practice. Yeah. I would be really interested to understand what your thinking was there, why you decided to do it, 
Yeah, I suppose. So Steve, Steve Harvey, who who, who built up uh, Solicitor's corporate practice in Chester and Liverpool, he's my best mate for my sins. <laughs> His banter's awful. Uh, but for I'd say for about ten, the last ten years, he's been talking about, and we've been talking about putting professional services together together in one business, thinking about the way the market's going and what clients want. It's, it should always be about what clients want. You don't want to walk down a high street and have to, especially if you don't mu- know much about professional services, but you're in, a, you're in business, you're a good entrepreneur, you walk down the street, you've got to go into an accountant's practice, you've got to go into a legal firm, you've got to go into all these different um, places. The, the advice is probably going to overlap Mm-hmm. And and so we thought, let's put it let's put it together. Let's make it easier for a for a client, and we can just add more value then to what we do. So when you say what clients want, what is it in your experience? Okay, so you're saying that it's you've got a one stop solution, if you like. It's almost like seamless advice across different boundaries. Accountants have a good way of saying, "I don't do that." Right. So, for example, forensic accountancy. People think that I can't be a forensic accountant. They do something different. They stand up in court and they do this and that and the other. When that forensic accountant started off as just a qualified accountant, because it's the it's the skills that they've got that cross over to help them do that sort of work. So due diligence, for example, you don't have to go to a corporate finance house for someone to do to be able to do due diligence. We can do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that that that's what people want. People want somebody to be able to to, to sit around the table of the same firm and get seamless advice, advice that doesn't overlap. There's no arguments, if you like. And we've spoken before about how in the accounting world, in your in your view, other accounting firms, or, or just the way it's always been done, is very much backwards facing. I know we've sp- spoken about this before Absolutely. with businesses. So it's here's your compliance work, here's your tax returns, and mm. here's your accounts. And when you were looking to set up the uncommon practice, when you're saying what clients want, is that what you were saying in terms of you wanted to be able to offer support to their decision making, forward looking? Is that the sort of thing you mean? Absolutely, support towards their decision making. How do you do that? You break things down to the bare minimum and say, how good is your data? I want. I want somebody, I, I want to help a client get perfect data to help them make good management decisions. Because if they haven't, they can't. And like you said, if we're backwards facing, we're just giving them some information that's a year and a half old and people just say, what, what good's that to me? What's my tax bill? So that's all that's good for. We don't want that. We want, we want good monthly management information. So we want to we want to try and digitize your processes. We want to say, right, how do we get that information? How do we collate it? How do we put it together? How do you see it? And then do you understand it at the end of the month in order for you to be able to make management decisions? So you see your role almost as an accountant sort of elevated beyond the role of just producing the the accounts, if you like, and taking more of a strategic role. Is that what you would say? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we want clients to understand that. Some clients still want to just bring a load of receipts in at the end of the year and, 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 and do that. And we probably don't really want to work with, with people like that. We want to work with people who want to know more about their business so they can grow it, so they can scale it, so, and, and we can help them do that. We can't help them, I don't know, get more customers. We don't, we don't necessarily know about the intricacies of what they do, painting and decorating, cutting granite worktops, whatever it, it may be. 
but we want to be able to wholeheartedly support getting data together to help them make management decisions on their business. So when, when you're talking about management information, what sort of things would you be saying to business owners and business leaders that they should be looking at on a monthly basis in terms of their, in their board meetings? Or if, could you give me an idea of what sort of things Well, it about? depends on the client. So I, what I would do is go through their management information, in inverted commas, that they currently have, and my team and me would help talk through what they actually want because they might be getting a monthly pack produced, a generic pack that they've always had done, right. which isn't really helpful for them because they want they want their customers split between trade and, and customers, whatever reason it might be, and that's different between businesses. So it's almost like, well, what do you want to see at the end of the month? And sometimes people will say, I don't know, right. <laughs> because I've always had this. Yeah. So I think we just go through that process and, 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 and break everything down. Do you want extra nominal codes? Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, does something have to be tagged in the system to, to help it come out at the end of the month to be shown in, the, in a certain way that's useful to you? It's got to be useful to you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just put them in the drawer like, like the year-end accounts and yep. say, what's my tax bill again? Which, which I suppose leads on neatly to something which you've spoken to me before, which is this idea of continuous accounting or real-time bookkeeping. We spoke on the last episode with Heather about bookkeeping and I was nervous that we were going to lose, you know, go down from three listeners to two and that's probably <laughs> going to happen again, again this time around. And we've probably gone down from three to two and I told everyone you're a Liverpool supporter as well. So we, our two listeners might go down to one Stop now. It. Thanks for sticking with us, Mum. Uh, so in terms of real-time bookkeeping then, I'm interested to understand what you mean by that or continuous accounting, I'm assuming. Yeah, I would say continuous thing. accounting more than real-time bookkeeping. Real-time bookkeeping is sort of an idea that everything is, you know, you've got all the figures on, on any time during the day at any point during the day and to bore everybody like you like you said there are, there may be certain adjustments that need need to be made prepayments accruals or whatever it is that are normally made at the end of the month they, they can be made mid-month but I think it's more important and more valuable for continuous accounting the concept for the the accuracy of the information, the quality of the information to improve every month so that by the time you get to the year end, the year end is just another month. It's just another procedure. And so you don't. the only reason you'd have the year end in your head is because of the tax and maybe what you're showing to the general public. But apart from that, they don't mean a thing. It's your monthly management accounts. Management accounts being the, you know, the appropriate word, the help, they help you to make management decisions. That's what you need them for. But we just want to make them as good as they can possibly be. And continuous accounting, we'll, we'll do that on a monthly basis. So continuous accounting to you is more a mindset in a business to get away from thinking of your numbers as something oh, that you produce at the end of the year or when you're asked for them, if you like, by your accountant. Yeah. And something that you do all the time using your data to support decisions is that yeah right? because some some businesses for example will do a stock take once a year and it might be quite impractical to do a stock take depending on what you what you're selling but if you do it once a year and not every month your stock value is going to change every month and it will change your cost of sales your gross profit and therefore potentially your decision that you make each month so you have to find a way to do that whether that becomes an estimate if it's impractical to do but the data needs to be good every month. It needs to be accurate and it needs to be valuable. And do you think now that with the tech 
that's you know available to businesses now that that idea of having good data good information is a lot more achievable for companies and are you seeing comp so it, it probably is more achievable are you seeing businesses embrace that or do you still think that some businesses are sort of stuck in the past some businesses are so stuck in the past but i think that if you sit down with them and break things down that like you don't know what you don't know so you don't know there's an app out there to do something that you've been doing for ages manually or on paper or whatever. Some people will realise it and have a look out there, but some people don't. We've got a security business and we introduced an app to them where they can, their employees, their security guards, go around sites on using an app. So they, they don't they know when they've clocked in because because of GPS right. all their hours are all logged and it all and, and if you set it up correctly with like with most of these things you get all the information goes straight into the accounting package, right. So I'd like to, I'd like to move on I suppose to your specialist area which which as I mentioned at the start is e-commerce. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to know how you got into e-commerce and what you think is different about e-commerce businesses to say your more traditional bricks and mortar businesses but let's start by understanding how you got into it in the first place i just got into it by meeting a couple of guys in northern ireland that were that helped people set up amazon businesses and help them choose what to sell knowing knowing almost the trends on amazon they had their own software etc but a lot of these people f were from around the world so they'd go over to the us and and i ended up being at the end of their course the person to go to to set up a UK company for these individuals and bank accounts get them selling on Amazon etc and do the VAT the VAT etc and then and then I just learned because I was in that space then from them and from others along the way that you meet all different things different aspects of of e-commerce but yeah that's that's how I got into it and I just I just enjoyed it I enjoyed doing it because a lot of things were workarounds because people like HMRC didn't have any rules about certain aspects of things or, the, or, or they seem to be grey areas and that's where accountants and advisors come in where we can interpret them in the, in the best way possible for the client because people in that space interpret things, had interpreted things in the wrong way just for their own because it suited them. You know, you just they just thought, well, that's the answer I want. Whereas a professional will come along and say well this is how I interpret it from how what would HMRC think etc so I, I like that and I like the I did like the the community feel of e-commerce as well because these people were in Facebook groups different mm -hmm. types of groups for different types of sellers and I just got to understand more about them that they all seem to want to help each other anything they wouldn't tell each other was where they bought their stuff from and, and maybe what they sold right. but everything else they would share it all so I like that and I yeah that's I, quite I, unique in business yeah I think, isn't yeah it? I, I like that but the the consequence of that the um, the I suppose the, the what, one of the bad things that happens there is that you have somebody that's in one situation that says this is what I do I'm helping you as a, as a fellow seller you're in competition but we're all sellers this is my situation and this is what I'd, I advise you to do. Right. But that seller might be in a completely different position because a different situation because it's the internet. Somebody here is in Miami, Miami. somebody here is in Berlin and somebody here is in London. And so they've got different situations and, and it's not always a, that advice 
might not always be applicable to, to, to the other person. So the community aspect is great in yeah. one sense in that you know you can share and learn from other people mm -hmm. but your professional advice or opinion would be seek some professional advice. Yeah because it's cross-border you know I don't know I can give a US person that owns a UK company UK company advice but I can't advise them on their tax status in the US. Right. I always tell them that they've got to they've got to get a, a US advisor and then because of that I meet a US advisor so I can help other people who haven't got one and we can find them for them. We've got lawyers over there that can help with trademarks, that sort of stuff. We've got people in Canada, Australia, all advisors and specific to e-commerce as well, which is really important. So as well as the community aspect that you talked about of e-commerce, is there anything else, which, which is great by the way, and, and I think I've, I've noticed and I've seen, you know, you're active on a lot of these Facebook groups and mm. you sort of build a reputation on those groups and it's great the way that people share. Mm -hmm. Other than that, is there anything else you'd say you've noticed in the e-commerce industry that is different to the way that businesses operate? Or is it just, you know, obviously they've got specific issues to them in terms of cross-border trade and that I did, sort of thing? I did say recently in a quote to, to you, that in five years time e-commerce will just be commerce right. because so, so it's not really any different there's a certain certain things that are different and it's mainly VAT aspects because it's cross-border but and there are some specific things that HMRC have released guidance on because of all the issues that they had with with foreign sellers but yeah it's, the, the businesses are, are, are businesses they're limited companies they're the, they're the same it's just their their behavior is a bit different that's all so apart from apart from the the VAT and just the way that they work so so they will use messenger they will use whatsapp more you know all, all that's and slack that sort that sort of thing it's just the behavior of them and so do you if you if someone was running an e-commerce business listening to this what would your advice be if they hadn't if they don't have an accountant or if they're not working with a professional at the moment would your I mean, obviously, you've got commercial interest to say, uh, yes, no, well, come speak well, to me. I have but got a commercial interest, and I would say, come and see me. But I wouldn't give them, I wouldn't sell them anything they didn't want to, that they didn't need. Right. I would say, be careful on, on in listening to people in groups. And I would say, it could, it could just cost you a lot of money. We've had people that have, you know, it's cost them tens of thousands of pounds in VAT because somebody has told them, sometimes it could have been an accountant has told them that they shouldn't be registered in a certain jurisdiction when they should have been so it can be really costly and you can end up then chasing your tail especially if you're in some in in if if your margins aren't particularly good high sorry mm -hmm. so i'd like to move on to another you know topic which is we hope that the people that listen to this will be business owners and business leaders and I'm intrigued because, as I spoke with Heather, interestingly, on the last episode, you have come from being a practicing accountant and still are a practicing accountant, but you're now, you've got an additional aspect in that you're also the director of your own business and you're now running your own business. I'm, in, I'm interested to know what you think the differences are and what you found in the 18 months, two years that you've been running your business, what the challenges are, mm. and if you could share that with us. I was a partner in, in another firm and, and partners are business owners, but I wasn't really a business owner cause, because if you're in a practice with, I don't know, 20 partners, then you don't really take much in, somebody somebody else is running the business right. compared to 
compared to this business and setting a business up with the with all the regulatory controls all the regulations yeah i've learned i've learned a lot and i've really liked it and and doing that i suppose in reflection doing that you see more about or you understand more sorry about what business owners have to put up with have to go through etc and and so that has helped and so that's why I want to look into the into the monthly figures because I now look at the monthly figures and I look at the bank and I look at all these different things. What information do I need? Mm-hmm. I've just had a conversation with Heather on our on our current on our current figures. What what do we want to see? How do we want it split down? How what's useful information? And so that's a reflection and I say, well that surely that's what all business owners want and need. And sometimes they think they're getting it. They do think they're getting it because they get these figures and it tells them what the profit is, but it doesn't really break it doesn't really break it down and tell the story. It doesn't tell the story. And that's interesting because we've we've, we've also talked about how sometimes we assume in professional services, you know, you just talked about profit, which is something that I'm sure everyone mm-hmm. will know what that is. But we've we've talked before about business owners not we assume as accountants that everybody knows what we're talking about. And that's, uh, that's an interesting one. So do you find when you're working with business owners that there's an element of education as well as giving advice? Education is really important. And I think we are going to do some education. Right. What I would like to do is have some management accounts and have a little what is this next to almost everything. And I'll pop up on a video and say, this is how you, pro- what is profit you've just, you've just mentioned? How does that how is it relatable to cost of sales, to, to net profit, gross profit, net profit? What happens if my stock goes up, if my stock goes down, etc.? How does that affect profit? A lot of business owners don't really understand that when they're making business decisions. So I'd like them, I want them to know that. Right. Why, why they should know that to help them make better decisions. So that's what I want to do. And that sort of leads us nicely onto the sort of final part, which is where every week we try and ask the people on the podcast what their uncommon sense is that they would share with other business owners and directors. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really the idea there is from your own experience, what's something which you would be happy to share that people could learn from or learn from your experience in your career? Is there anything that you've got that you would be happy to share with business owners and directors? I would say ask stupid questions. That's okay. what I would say because because if you've got a question in your head that you that you think oh, I can't ask this because I think it's a stupid question you whether it is or isn't and it probably isn't you still want to know the answer to it don't you you don't know the answer that's why you're asking the question so to get I I just think people need to understand about the other person so I'm a qualified accountant you might be cutting granite worktops or or whatever you're not going to know that. I'm not going to know the intricacies about what you do. So just ask, because you need to know these things. If you wanted to know it, you need to know it. That's really interesting. So do you think in business there is a general sort of perception that it's weakness to ask a question? I think it's that in life in general. It's more kids that will do it because before they get to the social norm of, of, of in adulthood, oh, I can't ask that because of social constructs. I think it's just, it's just in life. So your advice to business owners would be, if you don't understand something, just don't, ask. don't be afraid. Just ask. ask. <laughs> you can ask me anything. 
I told you that. Well, <laughs> I suppose which leads us on nicely to the end. So hopefully I've not asked you too many stupid questions today. Plenty, but just I, keep I, asking them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But it's been really interesting to have you on. It's been great to find out about your work with e-commerce and at the Uncommon Practice. And thanks very much for joining us on Common Sense. Thanks for having me.